0: hi my name is ian parry and welcome to what the future the podcast produced by future leaders mentoring today we're chatting with colin bradshaw in one of our special podcast series on leaders life stories hi colin afternoon to you
1: hi there afternoon how are you doing
0: yeah i'm really good i'm really good thanks um and just as i was saying before we we jumped on to the recording really looking forward to this uh podcast i've, I've really enjoyed doing them actually with all the other leaders, um, but it, it, I think it, it's a little bit extra special when you know the person a little bit more, and you're looking forward to gaining even more insight about that that person. So I'm looking forward to this.
1: I will try not to disappoint you, Ian, but I make no promises. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's let's get straight into it then. Is it so? Sure. So, Colin, tell us uh, or tell our, our listeners rather who you are and what your role is today.
1: Of course, yeah. So my name is uh, Colin Bradshaw. I'm the managing director and the group data protection officer for the Twenty CI Group of companies. Um, so in English, what that basically means is that all the business functions for Twenty CI uh, report to me, and I own the P and L. that very simply, basically everything is my fault, Ian. Um, whatever happens, it all it all comes back to me. Yes. Uh, and then outside of work, I'm the vice chair for the DMA Data Council. And I also have another uh, trustee type type roles, um, various arts and theatre groups and stuff, but also the uh, CIM's disciplinary committee. Um, I must have done something wrong in a past life, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, 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 I'm one of those people uh, who sits on there as well. So um, bit of a bit of a broad and varied portfolio, but uh, basically I work for a data business yeah. um, and uh, we do UK property data. That's, that's what I do.
0: Wow. Okay, cool. So you're keeping yourself nice and busy then, Colin, which is good
1: possibly too busy Ian but uh, I'm not complaining not at all
0: okay so um the, the the next question then which we talk about your very first memory growing up it, it, mm-hmm. me, it really opens things up because you just talked about a really busy work life and stretching across lots of different things and I find that some of that kind of really starts from from you know your your, your youth I suppose so so tell us what you can remember being your first memory growing up
1: Do you know it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because I've got the usual kind of childhood stuff of, you know, seeing a Christmas tree on Christmas day morning and, you Mm -hmm. know, going for winter walks or summer holidays. But when I was thinking about this, the one that kind of stuck in my mind. So when I was at infant school, um, we had a sand trolley and a water trolley. Sure, every school does, you know, yes. you've got, you know, one it's basically it's a thing on wheels, it's like a big bucket, and one's full of sand, one's one's full of water. And I was friends with a guy called Bobby Buckingham. And Bobby Buckingham is the kind of individual where if anything sort of fun or interesting or particularly naughty is going on, you can guarantee Bobby will be at the center of it. <laughs> and we were outside the headmistress's office, Miss Stamen, we we're outside her office. And I can't remember why, but the water trolley was there. And Bobby and I, as kind of like you know, small boys do at the age of five or six, were sort of saying, Well, we're doing trouble. And he said, should we push the water trolley over? And I thought, no, we can't do that. And he said, Yeah, we could push the water trolley over. And we did. <laughs> uh, and so this flood of water goes flushing under the, the headmistress's um, you know, door, and she comes charging out, and we've kind of, kind of run off by, by this stage. But what that taught me was I'm 99% sensible and 1% maverick. So most of the time, you know, I I do the normal average things, but there's a little bit within me uh, that likes to be a little bit maverick. And um, the thing I learned from that is that, you know, sometimes I like to push things quite literally in this case a water trolley over yeah. Um, but I like things which are fun and interesting so when we talking before about that portfolio and the fact that you know I, I do a couple of roles at a company and I'm you know with the DMA and the CIM and, and, and various other things etc I like lots of little bits you know like, like the smorgasbord the bricolage type type approach um success for me looks like having lots of little things on on, on the go at once mm. but they've got to be fun and interesting I can't I can't fake it I can't um feign interesting things which I'm just not interested. I mean I can be polite to people, yes. but if I'm not interested, I can't go, oh that's 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 really interesting. I kind of grey out and, and, and drift away. So um you know as I say 99 percent sensible, one percent maverick. And I think for anyone who's looking to be a leader, there's certain things you've got to do and you've got to do sensibly and you've got to do with respect. You know, so HR related things or things to do with people's issues, et cetera. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to take that seriously. But every now and then you've got to tear the rule book up and sort of say, do you know what, we're doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we do this better? How can we do it fast? How can we do it cheaper? Whatever, whatever it might be. And you've got, to, you've got to find that balance in your own life. And knowing, and it took me a long time to kind of realise this, when I need to take things seriously, when I can kind of take the mick a bit and when I can completely mess about, and applying those in your work and personal life in the right balance, uh, as, 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 as you know, that that that's what all came from pushing the water trolley over. Although it took me
0: fifty odd years to, go <laughs> to reach the conclusion. Yeah. Nice. And you know, when we when we first met, I was working at uh, an energy company called Pure Planet, and, oh, yeah. and it, interestingly, you know, I learned a lot from those startup environments in exactly the same ways you describe. Is that sort of leadership side of things is. You know, taking something seriously, but also ripping things up. Um, and, and that's what they were trying to do as far as the energy industry was concerned. They were looking to approach things differently. Um, and that was really challenging for me because I I found myself as the the, the person that was supposedly the expert, um, having to explain why the industry works in a certain way, but then accepting that that was wrong in lots of cases so so let's let's open up that that conversation let's let's try and find a, a different group because if it wasn't great for the customer why on earth were we doing it
1: yeah and and, and obviously the um that part of, of the energy industry is has, has, has changed quite a lot over the last six mm-hmm. 12 months you know a lot of people coming yeah. coming in and out but we are definitely seeing a lot of players come through now who are mixing up that that model and who are um, looking to try and not that some of those bigger brands weren't in the past, but be much more cu- customer centric, but also a bit more accessible, fun and, and, and quirky um, yeah. uh, about it. Um, now the business person in me is basically saying, yeah, but all they're doing is they're coming up with an app, so it pushes the cost to serve back to the customer and all the rest oh, of it. Yes. But actually, to be honest with you, I'd rather have an app-based product mm. um, and be more in control and instantly accessible and kind of, you know, do do the things I want to do, let's say, through through an app. So, you know, Pure Planet or Octopus Energy, or there's, there's, a, yeah, there's, 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 mm. there's, there's lots of them out there that, that, that kind of take that approach. Um, but something which you thought was solid and immutable, you know, the provision of, of, of electricity or gas, you know, it's kind of like, well, how can that be different? Yeah. Uh, and they have come along and, and, as you say, ripped up the uh, the, the wall book in, in a number of different ways and made it different. And it's because people basically said, I'm going to be that 1% maverick. I'm going to look to do something a bit different. But what they've also done, and this is another point I've learned across the years, is you've got to jump around into different spaces, So um, a bit like you and I have done done, and we've, we've worked in in different sectors in in, in different industries, but you've got to take learnings from, um, you know, and I'm sure pure panic probably, probably did the same thing, but they must've looked at things like the Uber model or, Mm. you know, any of those just deep type type models and said, actually there's, there's a, there's a more customer interactive and friendly way to do that. It has the benefit of us of pushing costs back to the consumer. You know, Mm. it's, it's efficient. But secondly, it's a way people want to engage and it's a way people want to want to transact with us as a, as a brand. But you only learn that through looking at Uber, through looking at Just Eat, through looking at whatever else. And so the other thing that I've kind of, why I have those many different portfolio parts, et cetera, is the other thing I've learned is that cross-fertilization, you know, taking one piece of learning from over here um, and applying it over, over there. When I was um, working in general insurance, um, used to work with a guy called Keith Moyles, sadly dead now. But he... Um, he once said to me, You know, the thing you got to do, Colin, is to read anything and everything, try anything and everything, and literally just throw your net out there. And, you know, and he he, he would literally read, you know, The FT and The Economist, and he'd also read Woman's Weekly. Uh, and he said, The reason is I need to understand how this part of my audience demographic thinks about insurance. Yeah. You know, why, why wouldn't I want to understand that? So, yeah. you know, that, 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 that for me is important. Throw, throw it wide, try anything, do anything, you know, um, and see what you learn from it
0: amazing um so then, so so, trying to stitch together those fun days as Colin is a five and six year old getting himself into a bit of mischief through to now um tell me about that that journey then so how how would you describe the journey to your current role and and all the different fun bits in between do you know the honest answer
1: is it's erratic and opportunistic. So I I never left school or university with the thought of I'm going to be you know a C-suite person in the data industry um, you know the, the thought the thought never occurred to me um, and um, you know coming back to that ninety nine percent sensible one percent maverick you know there have been times in my life where I, I basically had to work to pay the bills you know when when I had young children and a mortgage to to, to pay etc you know there were times when you know i just literally needed a job and needed to you know kind of keep 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 the bills being settled um but what i've always tried to do is put myself in a position where i could take the next step whatever that was and that comes back to me for a doing a lot of learning outside of the job now nowadays you've got you know, lots of MOOC-type content and lots of online courses and stuff like this. That, that just didn't exist when, when I was building, building my career. So I did all my professional exams. So um, I've done professional exams with uh, the Chartered Institute of Marketing, uh, the Chartered Insurance Institute, Chartered Institute of Bankers, um, Chartered Institute of Management Accountants, so I'm qualified in, in, all of, in all of those, as well as having, you know, various master's degrees, a PhD and an MBA. Um, but it's that lifelong learning thing. I know a lot of people talk about that. It manifests for different people in different ways. And you, you don't have to go off and do an MBA or, or, or a PhD. It might literally just be, I'm going to take five minutes every day and watch a LinkedIn video you know, yeah. that, that tells me how I might optimize my, my, my SEO. But the thing I tried to do along the way was that whenever that next opportunity came up, be that a step outside a company. A step up to another company, a step up within a company, or even a step sideways across a company or with, with, within the company, you'd always had a set of experiences or a set of narratives you could come back and draw upon and say, look, I'm now ready to, to kind of, kind of um, you know, do, do this and to, 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 to get that role. And that putting yourself in the position where you can take the next step, I don't think I've always done it consciously. I think actually it comes from the, the point of view of I need to, I need to have fun and be entertained. Mm-hmm. And part of that for me is the joy of learning. Uh, you know, I'm never happier than when I'm researching or discovering something. Okay, yeah. So when I, when I first started doing my, my PhD, um, the bit I really loved was going off and doing all the background research, you know, delving into other people's papers, trying to find the little nuggets of truth and then stitch them all together. Into something that then, that then made sense, and it's, it's the same same with the career. You take nuggets from lots of different places, and stitch it all together into something which you can then use as the a ladder to take your next step. That got a bit poetic, then, didn't it? That that I, I, I kind of, I, don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but I've, I've got a, I've got a bit self help manual there. Um, but yeah, seriously, that's that's what I've always done. You know, um, I've never planned the next move, but if something's come up, I've always tried to make sure I'm in a position to to make the most of it.
0: Yes, and and you know, mo- most people so far of been along that line of taking an opportunity saying yes to something rather than no and not necessarily having a plan um mm-hmm. but the difference that, that i think you've introduced there is that once you haven't had a plan your continual learning and curiosity of what could come next is, is 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 helped to move you forward so i suppose i wonder how do you how how do you keep that that enthusiasm for, for learning? How do you keep that going?
1: Do you, do you know, I think the honest truth to that is you either have it or you don't. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no trick or tip to it. Mm. If, if, if you are interested in the world, you will go out and find out about the world. If you're not, you won't. Um, and, um, you know, the old saying about, you know, you, you, you can't change a, a cheetah's spots or, you know, the, the stripes mm. on a tiger. Um, if that's not who you are, don't try and be that thing um you know so that so i think within all of that and you have to be i've been true to myself in the i'm intellectually curious i love the joy of learning i love just going out there and finding out irrelevant things i'm great on your pub quiz team so you know ne- next time you have a you have a you have a pub quiz you know in in your local pub ask me along i'm great on pub quizzes because i just tend to retain irrelevant and and and, and daft things <laughs> and what what i think if you combine that for me, with that, um, I wouldn't even call it an objective. I just had a sense that I wanted to get on. I, I had a sense that I could be more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my, my, my dad drove trains. My mum answered phones for the RAC. Um, both very good jobs, but, you know, they weren't, they weren't high-flying academics or business people or, yeah. you know, healthcare professionals or anything like that. You know, they, they had jobs that, you know, like, like most people have, and we were a family like most people are. Um, but I always had this sense of um, I can be more. Yeah. So you combine the intellectual curiosity with the appetite to learn with the sense I can be more, you put all that together, and then when the opportunity then comes on, as you said before, you don't say no, you, you say yes. And you know, it has risks and it's and it's and it's scary. Um, but you know, if you don't put yourself outside your your comfort zone, you you won't grow unless 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 you move to the to the bigger pool you'll always remain the same size fish.
0: Yes. And, and he, have you ever wondered, Colin, where that came from, that I want, I want to be something more? How is, how is that? Is that like a, a nurturing thing or just something you kind of wanted for yourself?
1: Do, do you know, it, it, it's... Uh, so Richard Branson famously tells a story, doesn't he, when he was seven and um, he was having an argument with his mother and she just stopped the car and said, find your own way home. You know, and he was like, <laughs> six or seven miles from home and eventually it took him five hours but eventually it found it was nothing ever like that
0: yeah.
1: um you know and I was never particularly discouraged or encouraged as, as a kid again I think it's 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 either within you or, or or it isn't and listen there's nothing wrong if you're quite happy doing what you're doing so my 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 sister um she's had a career in in, in banking her entire life stayed at a sort of you know relatively you know um um junior junior level you know she was a she was a team supervisor and and various other things but you know she was never you know director of lending for you know hsbc or anything like that um but she was always perfectly happy and for her the balance in her life was i work i like my job i like the people i work with i like my customers i'm very happy doing what i'm doing and that's absolutely fine absolutely fine but if you have those other things within you where you kind of say, I want to go off and do other things, I want to go off and, you know, I, I, I want to be more. It's either in you or it isn't. Yeah. Uh, again, a bit like the learning thing. I, I, I don't think you can, I mean, you can encourage it and you can um, persuade people to, to to do things. But as I know from my own kids and now from my, my grandchildren, um, you know, if they're not minded to do something, no power on earth is going to persuade them to, to do so. If you find something they like and they will do, you go, yeah, well, let's do more of that then. Yeah. Yeah. and Maybe that's the trick. Maybe that's the trick. I don't know.
0: Yes. And, it, and it, um, it. I guess it comes back to what you were saying earlier about just being authentic to yourself. Because if, if you can, it almost doesn't matter what the job you end up doing, as long as that's, that's something that makes you happy and you feel that yeah. you're being who you are. And,
1: and the, the downside to that, as I was saying before, is I can't fake it. No. Um, I can't feign interest in something I'm not interested in. So that that energy, that joie de vivre, and that positivity is great when it's in a context where it works. But a context where it doesn't work, actually, it's quite destructive. Yes. Um, so the other thing you have to recognise, or I've had to recognise as, as a leader, there are some circumstances some, some contexts in which I have to absent myself and sort of say, I'm going to leave that to you guys now because I'm not going to help here. You know, you know what you're doing. You know, you're all capable, competent people. I'm just going to go and leave because I will not help. Um, You know, so when it comes to, um, I can't remember which psychologists describe this as big chunkers and little chunkers. So there's some people who kind of helicopter up and look at the big view, and there's some people who do detail. I do not do detail. (laughs) So any time we're reviewing a a policy or a statement of works or something like that, we're getting into the detail. I have to go, do you know what? Yeah, you, know, you carry on with that. I'm going to do something else for a while. Then you come back and tell me what it is you've decided and how you think that should work. And if yeah. that makes sense to me, then that's 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 what we'll do. And 99 times out of 100, they'll come back and go, "We want to do this." And I go, "Fine." You know, because in the big picture for me, we're kind of going 100 miles over there.
0: Yes. What each
1: individual step looks like, I really don't care that much, to be honest with you. And I know some people have that ability to macro up and micro down. I, I, I don't. But what I've then learned from that is that, you know, my strength and weaknesses, yeah, I can macro up and I'm pretty good at it, but I don't micro down and therefore I let other people micro down for me.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've shared with us today, I think, um, quite a few little life lessons, but is there one that that really sticks with you that that you wanted to share with us? Um do, 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 do you know, this is... Um, I,
1: I, I had thought about going with um uh Kurt Vonnegut Jr., um the guy who wrote Slaughterhouse Five and various various other books. And I I won't I won't use the actual word he used. I'll I'll do the Father Ted version. Um but basically <laughs> yeah. he, he said we were put on this earth to feck about. Um and if you lose sight of that, then you are you are you're losing something. So I think there's something in that. But I, I heard one um over this last weekend and um uh my daughter's boyfriend, Sam Adams, he'd been to visit his. Um, grandparents in Killeon, or Kaleon, should I say, if we're doing this properly in Welsh. <laughs> and up on their wall, they've got a saying from that. Now, I'm, I'm going to need a bit of help with the pronunciation here, Ian, right? I'm not relying you on you as the resident Welshman to get everything right. I can do that. But the, yeah. the, the Mabiniog, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so from book two of the Mabiniog, um, there is a saying, if you want to be a leader, be a bridge. And I just thought, oh, what? Yeah, that, that's that's kind of it. Because Ooh. setting a direction,
0: yeah.
1: you're you know you're indicating where, where people need to go, but you're not being the first one across. You're the person who enables the others. You are the person who uh, lets others do their thing, but Ooh. you provide the platform and you clear the path, etc. Um, and I, I you know that that really resonated with me. So yeah, I think I think if, if there was going to be a you know kind of a sound bite, you know we want we want to take out of this, if you want to be a leader, be a bridge.
0: Yes. I li- I like both of those actually. Cause it's it's you know, there's there's some real simple messages you can take from that and really really take on with your sort of day-to-day work, isn't there? Yeah. Um and, and thinking about day-to-day work, are you are you a routine guy? Is there a routine to Colin's day, or is it <sighs> and we'll see what what, what comes towards me? We, we we are all creatures of habit. I think
1: um, we all like a bit of bit of structure in our in our life. So and, and I, I don't think it's a daily routine, but certainly I tend to cycle through things in a week, depending on where I am and what I'm what I'm doing. So you know, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm abroad on business, it will look slightly different. If I'm working from home for a day, it looks slightly different. If it's a weekend, it looks slightly different. Um, but basically, uh, I think it's um, one of Stephen Covey's where he basically said, "Do you want to do?" sort of three different things in a day so you want to do something um physical you know some form of exercise you want to do something sort of challenging and learning say work or something else and you want to do something spiritual like something which is you know for your well-being for your soul oh, for, your, for, your, yeah. for, your, for your spirit um, and so a typical day um, for me like, might look i normally get up most days at half six seven um, i can't sleep in much beyond beyond that no matter what time i go to bed um, so, like this morning, um, I was up at six thirty, uh, and I went for a four-mile run, and then did fifteen minutes in in the gym. I've got I've got here at home. Then at breakfast. Um, you know, started uh, started work. You know, um, did a couple of hours of that. Um, if I'm in the office, i want to go for a walk around the park with somebody. So I do my one-to-ones whilst walking around the local park yeah. with people. You know, so it gives me it gets us out of the office. It puts us in a yeah, different yeah. context, puts us in a different environment. We, we do that, so I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll do that. I'll then go back and and, and um, you know do a bit more work. Uh, And then when I get home, um, if I've um, if I've been out in the office, um, Sue and I, my wife and I will go out and we'll walk for a couple of miles and walk and talk. Uh, And I'll talk about my day. She'll talk about my day. We'll talk about, you know, whatever it might be. Um, But that's our opportunity to kind of draw the line between. Well, that was the day that was, you know, this is the evening where we're now going to have. And then we might go out somewhere we might we might do something else and probably like everyone else during lockdown we did get into the habit of um watching watching television um, and most evenings we will watch usually one of the netflix or amazon things for about an hour yeah. you know and then we'll do the funny before bedtime by which i mean a half hour kind of little humorous light-hearted thing so at the moment we're watching uh, the detectorists um so little little bbc series it's it's beautifully framed uh nicely crafted comedy well acted but it it just just finish the day then go to bed read for a bit you know wake up rinse repeat you know so that's that's what a typical day looks like um but i i within that i do try and build in some time for a bit of learning and reading some time for the exercise some time to actually get the work done some time to spend with people you know, sometimes to spend, 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 spend with Sue, and you know, pretty soon, you know, you've 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 you filled those uh, you filled those chunks.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I really I'm a big fan of of walking one to ones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. I just think the you know you you don't have you know a table between you, you don't have your notepad, so you're talking very sort of in the moment how you're feeling, and 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 it's very much a a conversation thing. Plus, it just it just feels better to be out in the open. I think. Yeah.
1: And 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 to your point, Lorraine, you get a better exchange because you're not sitting there, you know, saying, "Well, what percentage progress have you made against your (laughs) OKRs?" And you know, what colour are we 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 doing? You know, what Pantone reference is 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 this? You know, it's a bit like this. You know, it's it's a proper conversation with a real Mm -hmm. human, um, and you can. Talk a bit about work and you can talk a bit about personal lives, you can talk a bit about, you know, the things that were on their mind, you can talk about the irrelevancies of 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 life, or you can talk about the serious stuff of life. And but you can do it all within the same, you know, um 20, 25 minutes walk around around the lake, which is which is what which is what I tend to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I'm certainly also in agreement with the whole uh palate cleanser of the day at the end of the day with something funny. I like I like that. Yeah. <laughs> For um, me, I always return to the American Office as a as a sort of a oh, constant. Yeah. Um, it'll make me laugh, and I always find something new uh, when I'm watching it. But that just that just before bed, and and, and everything's okay with the world. Man.
1: Yeah, and and it, it's it's a bit like with um, it's a bit like with babies. You know, it's kind of it's it's part of the routine that tells you you know well you're starting to change your brain mode now. You're relaxing. You're getting ready for sleep. You know, so you, you watch a half hour funny or whatever it might be. Um, then we'll read for twenty minutes, you know, and then, you know, day's done.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, to taking taking us on now to something a bit more serious. So we're talking about um, bias now. Now we are described as sort of middle-aged white men, so therefore, w- w- you know, our experiences ha- certainly haven't been guided by. How we look in the same way as as um some uh some other groups have but mm-hmm. we, can, we can certainly talk about this and, and certainly become allies with um with people that, that that suffer from from uh bias but i guess i'm really interested in you know whether you think bias is something that will be removed or whether it's just part of the the, the human condition and we just have to learn to deal with it and um, you know it, it's it's uh, yeah. You'd
1: like to think the bias at one point would be removed completely. Uh, I honestly can't see it. Uh, I think some sort of bias will always exist. Um, and the type of bias will change over time. And in fact, I think, you know, to your point, Marian, you know, we are kind of like middle aged white men. Uh, and therefore, um, you know, all the sort of um, privilege that that, that that affords, you know, so, you know, we can't claim to kind of share or even comment on what other people's experiences may may have been. Um, But I do think it's part of who we are that we identify with groups that look a bit like us. But I think that's changed. So I think within the group that we think look like us is now a much broader definition than it would have been, let's say, when you and I started our careers. Um, you know, and some things are still true so my my late father in law um, was the general manager for Cornhill Insurance at Cornhill, so he was a very senior guy in the city mm. and he once said to me, "I would never employ anybody who either had a beard or wore white socks to the interview <laughs> and you kind of think well beards nowadays that's that 's kind of you know that's that 's that's a, that's a bit dodgy, but I understand it but interestingly, the point about about white socks and probably that even applies in the city you know even now. But when you think about somebody who works in the city, it doesn't matter what their ethnic background is, if they're, if they're a man or a or woman or, or, or whatever else, but there's a certain look, feel, and set of expectations that, 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 that comes with that. And oh. interestingly, white socks probably isn't part of it. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's interesting that even today, and what kind of socks, why does that make a difference? You know, it, it, it doesn't. But in terms of that cultural identity for that oh. group, white socks is just not a thing. Yes. Um And if I, you know, I work with some offices where no socks is a is a thing. You know, they they kind of they just they just wear mm. you know um, flip flops and stuff, and, and that's and, that, and that's kind of it. So I think the the groups that we identify with are changing for the better. Yes. But I think we will still identify with with groups, and I do think that therefore bias is not. It's not as insidious as it once was, and we are more conscious of it now. Yeah. But it exists in different ways now. And the thing we've got to watch is that we've got to recognise we all have unconscious bias. We have got to recognise that even though we are more, you know, inclusive and uh, you know, happy to wear the rainbow flag and you know, heaven knows what else, you know, um, you know, and we're all we're all we're all very comfortable with that, um, but. And that unconscious bias will, 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 will still exist mm-hmm. and therefore in our decision making um, a bit like I was saying before, when I pull teams together I need people to do the detail for me because I just don't do detail mm-hmm. equally I recognise I've got to have people who don't look exactly like me Yes, um, you know, and therefore to make sure I'm keeping myself honest and on track I consciously have to have a bias in favour of people who 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 don't look like me now I don't always achieve that I've I've got got to be perfectly honest but it is something that I am aware of and it's not just a kind of a a quota thing or or whatever else um you know um there is there is a pragmatic sort of commercial reason for it as well you know in that um your customers look like everybody Mm. therefore you have to understand and think like everybody and if you don't you're probably doing something wrong. So, no, bias will always exist, but it will change, and it's just part of who we are, but it's that changing of the groups that we identify with that's important, and I certainly think that bias, whilst it still exists today and will always exist, but is different to the biases that you and I would have been conscious mm-hmm. of, you know, back at the very start of our careers, definitely. Yeah,
0: certainly, and I think there's there's still some... Um, uncomfortable conversations to be had, I think. Um, and I, I've i certainly gone from the box of wanting to be careful with what I said or, or say to asking questions and getting involved in conversations that could be uncomfortable so I can learn and, and mm-hmm. understand better um, from, you know, from my experiences growing up, you know, in a, in a Welsh valley where, you know, ethnicity was barely anything um you know everybody was white everybody was welsh um and therefore that's that's the the experience that i had growing up um so i think i think i think you're right i think you know we as, as humans we are attracted to people that look like us and behave like us but actually from a business point of view i think there's a there's a there's a higher level of performance if you can find that diversity of thought, education, background, and apply it to the way in which your business moves forward.
1: Yeah, and I, I think there's you know there's actually a, a, a kind of a an ancient survival thing somehow in there that you will trust and be more positive towards the people who look like you because it's more likely they think like you and therefore you'll have aligned interests. Um, Where that comes apart is that the people who now look like me are actually a much broader set and a much broader um, set of set of set of backgrounds. And you can't therefore, um, you know, rely on on everybody um, sort of looking looking like like I do um, and nor should you. But I think the positive thing is we're having this conversation. Mm. you know and it it is it is both recognized and something we are conscious of and trying to get better at so to your point there Ian you know you will have that difficult conversation because it means you can learn and and you know get 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 better at it Mm. I don't think we're ever going to be perfect and I think um you know we're kidding ourselves if if we ever think we will that doesn't mean to say we can't get better it doesn't mean to say we can't you know try and get it right whatever that looks like
0: yeah absolutely um so we're getting to the end of the podcast now, Colin, it's whizzed by. Um, okay. and, and my final question then for you is kind of, where next for you and your life? Do, do you even know, is that even kind of spread out in front of <laughs> you? Know? Um, I, I, I think I'd have to
1: refer you back to that sort of, uh, you know, erratic and opportunistic um, career path that I've, I've, I've had to date. The only things I do know is I cannot do nothing. Um, you know, so I, I don't see a, a kind of a, a form of retirement or semi-retirement, um, you know, coming up for me for me soon. Um, you know, I'm probably getting better at relaxing. Um, but, you know, um, if my kids were here, they would they would tell you the thing they'll remember from our family holidays is, you know, we always had one day by the pool or by the beach. Um, and then one day when daddy took them all off to go and look at old stuff, you know, or visit a museum or or, or do something else. So. Um, I, I suspect, you know, I will, I will work through to the, to the, to the bitter end, whatever that, that looks like. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 if you're asking me to imagine, um, that kind of bricolage going plural type thing appeals to me. So having lots of, lots of different gigs, but yeah. the overarching thing for me is that, um, you know i i need to do fun and interesting stuff with people who want to get stuff done you know um if if it if if it doesn't engage me um you know it's no good if the people i work with are you know interesting challenging you know even mm. um that's no good but they've also want to want to get stuff done so if it's fun it's interesting i'm learning things um and people want to get stuff done yeah i'll be i'll, I'll be there whatever that looks like i don't know yeah
0: yeah okay cool, thank you colin. um it, it occurs to me obviously we we're a mentoring organization um and you have you know years of experience, decades of experience across multiple areas. but if I was to pick one so m- from a marketing point of view, then if I was just starting off and I thought marketing's for me what would what what should I do today what like to convince me that that was the right place to go or you know, to get the right start in in marketing, always marketing these days so broad that you you know you've got to start somewhere a bit tighter.
1: Um, do, do you know, I would, I would I mean, particularly if you're the early stages of your career, I would always encourage anybody to work in in marketing and in particular in sales, um, because in sales you have to learn the products, you get to interact with the clients, you understand the delivery processes, you there's a whole lot of stuff that you you do as as you do that. Um, or maybe product management, or, or other things like that, might be something in a way which you just don't. If you're in finance or operations or, or HR, you learn different skills there, and you have to move across those areas. But if you're starting out, I would I would start there. And if you're already in an organisation and you want to understand more about about marketing and and um, you know why you do what you do. Um, there are three quite simple questions. I, I always like quite simple things because I'm, I'm quite a simple person, you know. Um, there's always, there's, there's three quite simple questions I always encourage people to ask. So, you know, if you, if you find yourself in an organisation and you're, you kind of want to find out more, um, but you're looking for a framework and in any organisation, um, um, we talk about the three-legged stool. So you've got the shareholder perspective because most organisations will be commercial organisations and will serve to make a form of shareholder returns, sort of shareholder value. There's the customer perspective, i.e., you know, who are the customers, what are they buying, mm. et cetera, and then there's the employee or the or the staff kind of kind of perspective, and you've always got to remember there's a, there's a balance between those three. But I would start with a customer, and I, I would therefore go to the most senior person you could find, and I would ask them these three questions. Who are our customers? What do they buy from us, and why do they buy it? <laughs> and see what they say, Yeah, you know. And if they can answer that and give you a bit more light and illumination around that, that will then start to um, unpack what marketing is for you
0: yeah.
1: um you know because at the end of the day you know it's about customers it's about you know what do they want what are they willing to buy what are they willing to part their hard earned cash for so who are our customers what do they buy and why do they buy it
0: yes and you know the, the, those are great questions and i've certainly worked in many places where i think they would be questions that would be too difficult to answer actually yeah
1: <laughs> and 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 therefore there's something wrong, isn't there?
0: Yes, you right. know, uh,
1: I mean, I'm sure you and I can both have examples of companies where you're going to Well, that. Well, we, we know these people buy this, but why do they buy it? Well, but because oh, they have to. You know, it, it's it, it's uh, it's it's useful. Um, it's useful exercise to go through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Colin. Thanks for for being patient with the last question. Um, That's right. So, so we're at the end of the podcast. Um I've I've really enjoyed it. I think you've you've shared, you've been, you know, grateful um in, in what you've shared with us. I've really sort of got loads of insight from it. I know people listening um along uh, to the to the podcast will take things from you as well. So I was I was really um really pleased to get some time with you today, Colin. So thank you very much for that
1: my absolute absolute pleasure listen i'm
0: always happy to talk about me you know uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's 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 never an
1: issue maybe it should be but uh no no and it's also it's also good sometimes to be uh just prompted and sort of uh you know well why do you do what you do colin it's uh it's it's never a bad thing to just turn the mirror back to yourself and go oh yeah that's okay yeah that's who i'm and why i do it yeah, yeah. So, you know it's good fun no thank
0: you colin thank you very much um and as always if um, thank you for choosing to listen to What the Future. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. And finally, mentoring is a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey, and we're all really clear on that. And we're here to make help make a difference. If you feel the same way, please do get involved. Tap the Join Us button on our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com, and follow us on LinkedIn, and you can jump in on the conversations there. So for now, goodbye, and we will speak soon.